0: Hello, everyone. I'm Pastor Carrie, if we haven't met before. Um, I was going to say, too, if you are newer here and you would like to find out more about what's going on at New City, there's some um, slips of paper outside that you can write your info, ma- info on. We, we won't sell it to anybody. You won't have telemarketers call you, I promise. I won't stalk you or be weird. Um, or you can email Jamie um, in j-a-m-e-y at newcitycov.org. You can share your information that way, but then you can find out what's going on at New City. I feel like I'm like the feedback queen right now. How's that? Okay, all right. They'll like wave at me if I'm doing something wrong and tell me to stop it. (laughs) All right, let's start out with prayer this morning. Father, I, I just thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you've brought us together to this space um, that we have some time to rest, that we have some time to just sit and be still. Lord, thank you that you love everybody here so much. Thank you that you love this world so much, that you gave your one and only Son, that whoever believes in you will not perish but have eternal life. Oh, Lord, we we need to be reminded of the new life that you have put into us. Um, Lord, This this world is wearying right now, Lord, and we just have so much going on. So, Father, may our time here just be a time of true rest and uh, rejuvenation. I pray, God, that you would refresh us with your presence. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would orient our minds and how we think and how we live out our lives um, from your word. And, Lord, that you would just remind everybody here of their being known to you, God, and, and what you're doing in each of our lives. Father, we give our time to you, and we praise and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was thinking about something as I was preparing for this week. I don't know, like, what kind of family you were raised in, but um, I'll just give you a little bit of a snippet of mine. So I was raised on a farm up in northern Minnesota. Um, My dad was the fire warden for our community. Um, I would say probably the reason I'm as, like, chatty and extroverted is probably because of my dad. (laughs) I've thought about that. My dad like knows everybody and was always, you know, talking to everybody. But we were also raised um, in a household where I would say we had an open door policy. So my mother is a great cook. Um, She's amazing. My mom can, you know, whip up anything. And I just remember this reality one time, I think when we were, I was at somebody else's house and realized that their house was not like my house, where my mom always made extra food because I, I'm telling you the truth, there'd always be somebody random coming into our house at dinner time. Like it was pretty much, you never knew who was going to end up being there because um, somebody would stop by and they'd need like a fire permit from my dad and he'd be like, Come on in, sit down and eat. Next thing we know, we've got random Joe Schmo eating dinner with us. Um, and that was the community that I was raised in, and it was pretty much everybody. It was just that everybody was really welcoming and hospitable for the most part. And so I just had this concept of like, that's how everybody was. Everybody was like that, where people just come in and sit down, and next thing you know, they're eating with you and you're feeding them. I realized, though. Um, And you can shake your head or or up and down or no. If you just want to give me a head up or down, what was your life like? Yes, it was like that, or no, it was not. Okay, (laughs) that's always good. Um, There are some families where, you know, they're planners, and they're like, nope, in two weeks you can come over about this time, and I'll see you then. And then they get ready for that. Well, that was not how I was raised. So fast forward to... Um, my husband and I getting married, and I realized he was not raised in that family like I was raised and didn 't expect that there was going to be like a community gathering in the living room like probably daily and so I just thought about how culturally how we are raised and one of my husband 's friends is here, and so he knows that but um, it 's I think how we are raised and how we experience being together and what keeps us apart or keeps us together, important things as we follow Christ together. So today, we're going to be talking about the other part of the story. It's kind of that old guy, Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. So we have that today, and it's in Acts chapter 11. Um, if you have your Bibles open, I'm just going to recap from 10 and then to 11. And I think the the exciting part of this story, this is such a cool story because If you just put yourself in this place, it makes you really think about how the the cross is what unites us, how Jesus is the person that brings us together, and then how we live in a way that's intentional and looks different than the world is really a beautiful thing. So in Acts chapter 10, this is just kind of the recap, um, we have this really amazing story where God uses a vision with two different men. One was Peter. And one was Cornelius. Peter was a follower of Jesus. He was praying on the roof. He was hungry. All of a sudden, he has this vision. And he's like, what's going on? And the vision is God showing him a sheet coming down from heaven with all kinds of critters in it, and God telling him, kill and eat, Peter. And he's like, Lord, no, you know, I'm not supposed to eat those things because they were things that he was not supposed to eat because Jewish people had very specific things that they could and could not eat. And so everything that God was showing him was Quote, unclean. And he was saying, Lord, I, I can't eat that. It's not clean. Three times this happens. And then he, he's not sure what to think. And then all of a sudden, there's this man named Cornelius. And he has a vision too. And it's, it's God telling him to go and find Peter. And so he sends, he sends his men to go get Peter. He's a centurion in the Italian cohort. And so the really cool thing is that these two men come together because of jesus christ that normally would not have been together and then we have the outcome of the story in chapter 11 so this is where i'm going to start so peter peter experiences going to Cornelius's house and he's explaining to the other followers of christ what happened so they go to the temple and it says the apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So they're hearing about Cornelius' family and how they had received the Holy Spirit. They were baptized. And so when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of an uncircumcised man and ate with them. So if we pause there, we're like, what's the big deal? First of all, circumcision is a guy thing. That was something, though, that marked God's people as set apart for him. If you were a male Jewish person, you were circumcised, and that meant that you were included in God's people in that way. And so there was this distinction of togetherness and separateness. So first of all, he gets criticized because, first of all, he goes into his house, and second of all, he's with people that he's not supposed to be with, and then third, the big big enchilada is he eats a meal with them. So it starts from the beginning. Peter tells the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance, I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheep being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. And I hear a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And he argues with God. He says, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. And the voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and it was all pulled up to heaven again. So Peter's explaining the dream and what happened. Then in verse 11, he says, Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his, in his house and say, send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. You know, in my Bible, like whenever something really stands out to me, I, I don't know if you're the kind of person that marks your Bible up, but mine is like all marked up. But I marked this one up and started because the most important thing was God was just saying, you are going to go and you are going to talk about me. And at that point, Peter couldn't argue with the Lord anymore, so he goes. He start. He he goes to this guy's house. It's really interesting because in verse or in chapter ten, the Holy Spirit said, "Do not hesitate to go with them," and so that's super important because normally I'm sure Peter had been like, "Nope, I can't go there." Lord, you know our rules. If I go there, it means then I can't go to the temple to worship you because if, if there was any, um, like if you came in contact with a dead body, if you came in contact with mold, if you had any bodily fluid issues, you were, you were out of the temple for a certain time until you could prove that you were pure and clean again. And so Peter's like, no, Lord, you know the rules. I can't do that. But, you know, when God speaks to us and he shows up and he says, don't hesitate, go that's when we really pay attention and go. And so he goes. And he goes into Cornelius' house. I, I just thought about this. I'm like, that's probably the very first time he was in somebody different house, somebody's different house than a, than an, a Jewish person. So that's just kind of a pause to think about like what he did in, in obedience to the Lord. He went and he put himself out of his comfort zone in somebody else's home that he was technically not supposed to be in. And the reason was because God was going to give a message through which this man's whole household would be saved through Christ. So that, that's where I pause too, and I just want to encourage you. You know, I, I think so often we're like, OK, I got to like, if I'm going to go talk about Jesus, I got to know what I got to say. I got to like, you know, think about us pastors. We prepare sometimes eight hours in the week for our sermon. And, and we don't have Peter be like, Lord, hang on. I got to go do my sermon prep. I, I got to make some time for this. No, God just says, go. You have a message. And I want to encourage you in that same place, church. God has, he has given you enough, and, and a lot of it just starts with the obedience to talk about Christ and what Jesus has done for you, and that's what Peter did. So it says in verse 15, as I began to speak. It doesn't say that Peter finished his whole talk and then he, he gave the invitation and then they all came forward like at a Billy Graham crusade. It says no, it says just as he began to speak. And I kept thinking, I'm like, what did Peter start to say? You know, we don't have that, but I wondered. And it says, the Holy Spirit came on them, and he, and he notes, as he had come on us at the beginning. And this points back to Pentecost. You know, if, you, if we've, you've been with us or you know your Bibles, in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost came, that was the Feast of Weeks, And all the believers, all the followers of Christ were in one place and then the Holy Spirit came on them like a a violent wind filling a house. Tongues of fire came on them, separated, came to rest on each one of them. And the Spirit enabled each one to speak in other tongues as they were enabled. And the beautiful thing about this manifestation of God's Holy Spirit was was it was languages that were spoken of all the people that were in that listening area. And it was the glory of God being poured out and being praised that was the point of that and so here we have something similar which you know i think that when we read these stories we we run over it really quick but it says peter says as it happened to us at the beginning when god did his work in us and then peter says he remembered what the lord had said john baptized with water but ye will be baptizing with the holy spirit And so peter sits there and he says to his friends he says so if god gave them the same gift he gave us who believe in the lord jesus christ who was i to think that i could stand in god's way and that's when that's when we have this really beautiful aha for us as christ followers is if god is working in a situation who are we to to stand in the way and to and to block what god is going to do so then the 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 jewish followers who were with peter and the ones that were kind of taking to task when they heard him say this, they had no further objections. And they praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. And that is, this is where we have this beautiful um, currents coming together, that really embody who we are as a church right now. All of us coming from different places and backgrounds and walks of life, but because of Christ, we are together. And that's what gets me so excited because in our world right now, we are so divided. And to think of when Jesus is at work and when Jesus is moving within us and his Holy Spirit is working within us, just think about what God is going to do and who are we to get in the way of that. So, um, I have some things I've just been thinking about this week as I've been reading that scripture and just thinking about the big deal of what this is for us. First of all, in John 17, Jesus said, glory has come to me from through them. And so I want to encourage you this morning to think about that God is going to glorify himself through you when all you need to do is pour out Jesus' love and power that he puts inside of you. And all you have to do is reflect that glory back to him. Think about this. Before the resurrection, there was so much separateness. There was separateness between people that were Jewish people and non-Jewish people. And the, the message was that if you weren't Jewish, you were outside of God's promises and his goodness. And after the resurrection, there's unity. And the Holy Spirit outpours with the gift of speaking in tongues, which was the evidence the Lord was up to unifying and bringing people back together through him. The glory of God is what unifies us. It glor- it's glorifying to him, and it's the rallying point for us as people. When we come together, we bring him glory. And why? Because we bear his image. I have thought about looking at all the beautiful children that are up here today, and it's kind of fun to see like, like, all of your kids and to think about how they resemble you all in certain ways. I think that's how we are as, as God's people. You think about how we all come from a different family, but as followers of Christ, we resemble each other because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. It's kind of funny, I have a client who, um, he's very literal, um, for those of you who don't know, I'm a therapist during the week, and one of my clients, um, we have a skills worker that works alongside me, so we, we hand off, he's with one of my, my coworkers, and my coworker is a follower of Christ, and I, I happen to say, oh, here you go, Brother James, and we tagged off, and this, my client goes, he's your brother? And I said, yeah, can't you see how much we look alike? And James and I were smiling at each other because I'm like, James knows I'm talking about our resemblance because we are brother and sister in Christ. And so now we have some, I'm like, yeah, can't you see? We, we're, we're brother and sister. We have the same father. Can't you see? And he's like, what? That's how it is. When we are united in Christ, we start to look like each other and glorify and honor God together because we share the semblance and the glory of God. And so this points us to what God is doing. <coughs> excuse me, in every nation under the sun, as we bear His image together in the church, we're all created in the imago Dei, the image of God. And culturally, though, this is really challenging for us. You think about all the ways that we do and be kind of like I referenced at the beginning of the sermon of um, just mealtime. Of I had an open door family where every person was welcome in our house, and you never knew who was coming in or going and my spouse who has more a planning family where it's planned out weeks in advance. And you think of like, how, how is this for us culturally when we have so many things that are different and sometimes that makes it hard. It sometimes makes it hard for us here in church, but just think about in the world. And you think about what was the big deal about this story especially and the, and the, big, the big thing that stood out was they were eating together, they were sharing a meal. And this is really a point of establishing equality when we share a meal together. That's one of the things that I still love about New City is that intentional meal sharing that happens after church on Sundays. It's that point of saying no matter where we come from during the week, when we sit down at this table, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and the playing field is level. One thing I like to say is at the foot of the cross, the playing field is level because we are all coming to God with the same need. When we sit down to break bread together, it says, I am equal with you, and it is such a big deal to eat together. Um, think about the first time that you went on a date with your spouse or significant other or, you know, whatever that first day is. Having a meal together is like an intimate thing, and we, we don't really think about it until we're doing it. I think the bigger thing that we have to we have to fight against in the church is that we appreciate our differences and we look at Christ uniting us and then helping appreciate those differences that make us part of his family and part of the beautiful um, patchwork quilt that God is, has created collaborating together of his children. The fellowship of Peter and Cornelius was an unusual fellowship. It was an unusual connection. But it was Jesus who brought them together. Jesus was the one who reached out to both of them and drew them together. And that significance is twofold. So I've been thinking about this, of how the significance was that Peter chose to eat with Cornelius. He chose to go to a place that God sent him. He knew he was going to violate the ceremonial law. He knew that he was probably going to have to make up for that before he could go to temple again. But it made it so important when Jesus reminded him and showed him just ways like, I bet Peter was sitting there thinking, okay, remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Okay, remember when Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman, the woman that was separate from all of God's people? Jesus showed him how he was to be, and so I'm sure that that gave Peter some courage. I think that... um, This week, I'm just gonna be praying for you all that you will pay attention to how God is gonna be showing you differences in other people or maybe those those things that make up you that you really didn't think about and then how God will use that to connect to other people. I have an exercise for you to do. You have coloring supplies near you. If You can grab them. And Tony, I know I've kind of gone off, like, grid from my PowerPoint. So if you can go to one, this is the early church had two important and essential ingredients. We come back to, to the beginning. Remember, the early church had the two important essential ingredients. They had the common goal reaching everyone for Christ, and they had a common mindset. All were equal in Christ. And the goal was a new way of practicing unity. And this was complicated and it hadn't been done before. And that's, an, that's another thing to think about is when God is calling us to do things, sometimes we're not gonna have the plan, we're not gonna know exactly what he wants us to do, but when we start doing our work and just being willing for him to prepare us, that's when he can do his most creative work. It's interesting to think about this, culture begins with beliefs and finds expression in our behaviors. It's really interesting to think about how, how we're raised and the things that make us up and who we are work out in what we do. As a, as a counselor, I've had to do a lot of work. I, I think half of my grad school program was just like breaking down what culture is, which I really wasn't prepared for, because how we approach people means that we are going to do our own work in understanding who we are and why we are the way, way we are so that we can be OK and meet other people where they're at so one thing i wanted to do with you all today is just thinking about culture and how god is working within us to be his ambassadors and to be like peter where we're willing to go out and and meet with those people that god is drawing to himself is understanding our own culture so i was going to show you this addressing model um next one so if you can make like a bulls a bullseye if you can do that on your paper if you're willing to arts and crafts in church um, I want you to, to just write down a few of these things. And this is the addressing model that we have to do as therapists when we're trying to understand the people we're working with and, um, and what makes, makes them them. So a couple of things I have for us to think about is areas of culture. These are all definitive areas of culture that, that help us understand who we are and why we are the way we are. So one is where, where you live. Where did you grow up? You know, me, I grew up in a rural area. Now I still kind of live in a rural area. There's a lot of cornfields around where we live. But from when I moved from the rural area to college, I moved right to downtown Minneapolis, and that was like culture shock, let me tell you. Um, I went from hearing nothing to hearing everything all at once. But just to think about, like, where do you live now? Where did you grow up? So if you can start to make bullseyes out, make some circles, and make your way out, um, what was your faith tradition? Did you have a faith tradition? Maybe you maybe you grew up outside of the church, outside of knowing about the Lord when you were um, when you were growing up. One quick story. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Alpha movement but Nikki Gumbel is, Nikki and Pippa Gumbel from England are, um, they're from HTB Church in London, but Nikki tells this story about the Alpha movement, how the Lord was pouring out the Holy Spirit through the Alpha movement, and there were some people that objected to Catholics coming into Alpha because there were Protestant Christians who, who were judging Catholic brothers and sisters, and Nikki said, God is working. God is pouring out his Spirit on all of us. Who are we to stop and stand in the way of what God is doing? I think it's important, too, when, when we think about our faith tradition that we come from, that we understand um, how God is at work in our midst. And when we are brothers and sisters in Christ, he is gonna work across denominations. He is gonna work across those cultural barriers that are within our denominations. Um, Think about your socioeconomic status. Um, In the early church, that was also a, a cultural barrier. If you were poor, um, you often didn't associate with people that had means. And I think about, too, in, in our churches, oftentimes our churches, there's barriers with socioeconomic status. That is like a cultural aspect that I think we need to be mindful of and, and be aware of. Language. Um, most of us speak English, but we also can come from, from places and, and cultures where English is not the first language. Um, or how is language used? Um, I grew up in a home where there was a lot of swearing. And, and I have to tell you that you know, if, you, if you're with people that they're coming outside of Christ to Christ, that can be one of those things that it takes, takes God's work to do and, and to be aware of. Um, what was your parents' marital status? Did you come from a blended family? Did you come from you know, a, a parents who have been, been married a long time? Were your parents ever married at all? Those are all things to think about. Um, number of children in the family. What was your place in the family? That's another cultural thing to be mindful of. Um, your ethnicity and your nationality. All those things make up who we are. And I think that this comes to where does this find us today? And, and I alluded to this at the beginning, but God is at work in unifying his church and so the more that we are aware of who we are as cultural beings, we can also be aware to reach out to other people. And this is the point of this little exercise. It wasn't just to make you, you know, have arts and crafts in church. Where this finds us today is that God is calling us to be obedient like Peter. Um, I don't know if God shows up in your life in dreams necessarily or visions like he did with Peter where he's dunking a sheet down with all kinds of critters in it and saying, Peter, kill and eat. I haven't had any of those dreams before. But I know I had, I had a, a pretty, pretty incredible encounter with the Lord um, when I was 16 years old. And it's funny, because that was like, I turned 46 on Tuesday, so this is 30 years ago. And this thing that happened to me has stood out to me my whole life. Um, I was going to, I was in a Bible study at my school. We named it YO, Youth Outreach, very original. And um, we went to go hear this, like, speaker. My, our librarian was our sponsor for our, our club that we had, um, this Bible study club. And I was sitting in, in a chair, and this, um, we went to hear this evangelist who came into this town. And I had the, the weirdest experience happen. And, and I haven't shared this with too many people, but I've been thinking about this um, Bible story this week, and it kind of gave me some courage to share it. I was sitting in this chair, it was kind of like probably right over right where, where Susan is, um, and I was sitting there, and this man is preaching, and all of a sudden I started to shake and I'm somebody where I don't like to be noticed, you know, like when I 'm sitting somewhere, and i I just noticed first of all, my legs started shaking, and I'm sixteen, and another cultural piece to my life is I grew up in a Lutheran church. It was a very conservative Lutheran church where the oom um, pah pa on the organ was maybe hit like once or twice a year and that was it. It was, you know, we sang hymns, nobody did anything crazy. It was very, very um, liturgical. So I'm in this, listening to this evangelist give this sermon, and all of a sudden my legs start shaking and then the rest of me starts shaking and I'm like, am I having a seizure? What's going on? And I couldn't control my body. And in this moment, this pastor who I'd never met before stopped preaching because I think he saw me shaking, but he came over to me, and I'm like, oh, no, somebody, this person's coming up to me. And, you know, 16-year-old, you're like, this is not good. I'm being called out and noticed. And he touched my chin. It was the weirdest thing. And I just started praising God, and I didn't even know what I was saying, but I had an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon me. And in that moment, the only thing that I remember clearly was I had this vision of this endless field of people before the throne of God. And that was, that was the thing that happened. And I, it took me a while to process, like God, you, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that I'd never had before. But I sat with that vision for like 20 years. I'm like, God, what was that? Because I'd never had anything like that happen before. And I was telling a colleague about it one time because sometimes when God does things with people, you're like, I don't want to tell anybody because that was so outside of my experience. I didn't know what happened. But one of my colleagues, another covenant pastor, said, Carrie, I think I know what that vision means. I'm like, really? What? And he said, God is going to use you to bring lots of people to know him. And when you are in heaven someday, there are going to be so many people there because of all of us sharing the gospel and bringing people to know Christ. And so I feel like when he said that to me, I'm like, that makes sense. It was like I just saw a field as full of people as the eye could see, and we, I knew that we were in front of the Lord. And so I think about culturally what God is doing in our midst right now is he's breaking down barriers. He's using you and me in our lives to reach other people for Christ if we are willing and obedient to go and to do and to just say, yes, Jesus. And just like Peter, it doesn't mean that you have to have your spiel all worked out, But whatever God is doing in your life, he's going to use you. And and all we have to do is be willing. And also be mindful of who we are and who other people are and just be willing to go. Um, Psalm 107. Thank you, Tony. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Just think about this, that God is using those of us in here who have been redeemed to tell their story, how God has redeemed us, and then he's going to use us to bring other people from other lands, from east and west and north and south, to be part of his kingdom. In First Samuel 16, 7, the Lord reminded Samuel, Do not consider the appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord, the Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Remember that God is not going to be using us based on our outward appearance. He's going to be working in our hearts and using us to go out to people and show his love. I think it's important to remember, too, that from Peter's story, um, we remember, like this, I I wrote, who's God's favorite kid? Wait, what? God shows no favorites. It means that God is going to be reaching out to everybody, And, and I think even to the most unlikely people that we could ever imagine. But God shows no favorites, and he's going to be using us to prove that story that he loves and uses all. And I, I'm just praying as how we live this out today comes from 2 Corinthians 15, 14 through 21. And as you go out today, too, I wrote down a prayer for us to pray this week that you can um, keep with you and, and send with you and maybe tuck in your Bible. In 1 Corinthians five fourteen 14-21, it says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, God made him who had no sin, to be made sin, to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Some takeaways for today, and some things for you to do. So think about this: How is God calling you to be a reconciler? How is He calling you to go outside of yourself? Um, you know, just thinking about Peter this week, Is there someone from another cultural? ethnic group that you struggle to understand or accept? Have you held attitudes about someone else for various reasons that are not honoring to the Lord? Kind of like we go back to Peter and Cornelius. You know, the, the mindset of Jewish people then was that other people weren't included in Christ, but God did something incredible and showed him, nope, I am drawing those people to me too. Will you pray about how to reach out to them. Will you pray about people that God is going to put in your path to seek relationship and connection with? Even like our children being sent out into the schools, there could be their lunch, lunchroom ministry. How is God going to use you in your places of work and influence to build relationship and connection? And then examine yourself this week. This is what I'm praying about too, is pray that your heart and mind towards others whom you struggle with to understand and connect with. Ask God to root that out and confess anything that comes up as you surrender this to God, um, I'm gonna send, I'm gonna pray this prayer, and then Ethan, I gave Ethan a job when he comes back to um, hand these out to you all. But this is our prayer for 2 Corinthians 5. You can pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your love for us. Thank you for dying on the cross, Jesus, and making the way for us to come to you, Father, and experience new life and forgiveness. If I am not reconciled to you or to another person, Lord, show me where I need to make this relationship right and the humility to do so. Lord, I give permission for you to work in my heart and mind. Please fill my heart with your love for others. Please help me to be your ambassador in this world, in my community, home, and in every relationship. Help me to go outside of myself in my comfort zone where you will call me. May your compelling love be the motivator for all my relationships. Lord, I pray for your church today in the world and here in my community. Help us to be unified around you. Help us to work together to bring those outside of relationship with you to know you and to experience the goodness of your love. Help me to reach out this week to the ones you lead me to. Please help me to be willing to be a reconciler in your name in this world, for your name in this world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.